evening, everyone. Good to see you here tonight. Stand with me, would you, as we sing our first song, Wonderful Grace of Jesus, 355. If you need your book, lift it up tonight as we sing. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin.
singing, you may be seated. Brother Kevin Loney, would you remain standing? Open us in prayer, please. Brother Kevin. Father, we're thankful for the fact that we we'll be back in the house this evening to get through and hear the word, pray and choke in our hearts. Can you help us forget about what's going on in the world and our lives today? Help us focus on you. Help us be drawn closer to you before we leave the building tonight. The Lord, also, as we go through and we celebrate Brother Lynn's 25 years here at Central, just pray that it be a time of the lift, the many wonderful things that he's done to help him give us guidance. Again, we're just thankful that we can be here in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Andy. Appreciate it. Well, welcome back this evening. It is good to see everybody out. Just a quick reminder, because um, we'll be having a celebration afterwards. But uh, we got about a week left. You should have received an email. And you said, I don't think I got it. Check your junk mail back on, like, Tuesday. Uh, but uh, we've got the big event coming up uh, with Brother David Korn coming. And I have some sign-ups out there related directly to that. Uh, we do expect two nights. It's already really uh, 460 to over 500 uh, people already signed up. Uh, we haven't even been to the schools yet, so we're expecting a record number. Uh, really could see 800 to 1,000 guests. And uh, so in that, uh, we'll be packed. We'll set up some extra chairs, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, so we have two showings because we knew this was going to be big, Wednesday and Thursday night. Uh, but if you're able to sign up for some of those things, whether it be uh, helping and uh, talking to those who come forward, uh, stuffing bags, passing out some stuff at the end. We're going to pass out some stuff about our children's ministry. Even at the end, we'll have like uh, eight sign-up areas as they're coming in as well. So just uh, want to be really organized with that, as efficient as possible. And uh, so if you can look at that, planning on being here one of those nights, uh, sign up for that if you would. That way we'll have that all organized and ready to go. And just looking forward to it. And above that, I hope you're praying for it. You know, a great opportunity. We don't want to miss it. And uh, so it's going to be very gospel-centric, obviously. And so you want to be thinking about that, praying about that. Invite your neighbors, your friends. And then we also, um, you know, what do I tell people? If you have kids, obviously you want to be in here. If you don't have children, we're going to have an area upstairs as members. We want to be very gospel thinking here and evangelistic. Um, so we'll help you get upstairs. We're using the teen room because the gym right now, that bulb is not working well. It's very discolored, and uh, so it'll be hard to kind of see what's going on. And uh, so we're at a bad spot there, and it's pretty expensive on the fly to replace that projector. You're talking, you know, I, I don't know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for the right projector. I'd have to double check with Brother Ron, but last I'm checking, it's pretty expensive to get something like that in. So obviously, that's a quick turnaround. So our only other option is up in the youth room. We figure we can fit about eighty to hundred people up there as well. But obviously, we want as many guests in here as possible. And uh, I can't tell you which night is the best. Uh, it's going to be the same show, but if like, which night should I come? Pray about it. How's that? And uh, so I, I thought probably our Wednesday crowd just come as you normally do, and, and then there'll be a Thursday crowd, and we'll go from there is what I would say. And so we're looking forward to that. And uh, so hand some of those out if you would. So uh, as Brother Kevin said, after the evening service, we're going to have a great fellowship time and uh, just celebrating Brother Lynn and Miss Jenny's 25 years here. So I did ask a few people to give just a, a testimony. And they'll kind of give you an example. You can share yours with them. That's why we're having the fellowship. Go by, let them know you appreciate them. And uh, so Brother Matt's going to take a mic around. We'll start on the right with Brother Brian Friend, way over there. So he gets to be our first person. And uh, so if he'll kind of share just a little bit about what uh, the Schuyler family means to them. So Brother Brian. Real quick, and if he, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together 
for the faith of the gospel. Uh, in 2005, whenever we moved and joined the church here, uh, my work schedule with Trout allowed me to be able to have every other Monday off, and uh, we got to go play golf. There was uh, several of us men from the church that went and played golf, and uh, as you know, golf can test you, uh, and that will test you as a Christian, or we'll see how you really are. Uh, I would like to attest that Brother Lynn was a man's man, and uh, whenever things weren't going well, it was unbeknownst to us, but he kept us cool, and we kept playing and having a good time. Amen? Head around back to Brother Lucas. So, of course, a few minutes, a uh, few seconds or whatever ain't probably enough to go over what Brother Lynn and Miss Jenny has been to us and our family. Of course, we haven't been here the 25 years they've been here, but <laughs> uh, the last few years. And, uh, of course, I can tell you this, uh, Brother Lynn's the real deal. Uh, in my life, there's been a lot, of, a lot of conversations, a lot of counseling over the years that uh, he, he's been counseling me and he didn't really even know it. But uh, I had a lot of people in my life through, through the years of going to church and being raised in church that, that I've seen a lot of hypocritical people that would say one thing and wouldn't live the other, wouldn't live right, you know, and, and, but they go to church on Sunday morning, they dress well and look right. But Brother, Brother Lynn is the real deal and, and he's, uh, he's a good man. He loves the Lord. Him and Miss Jenny has been a, a great blessing to us. Uh, Proverbs, I can't think of the address of it, but over in Proverbs it talks about iron sharpeneth iron, and he's sharpened me many times in my life uh, when he didn't even know it. And we thank him and we love him for it. Amen. Amen. Uh, come up over here to Brother Josh, way, way over here. Wow, he's running. This is impressive. <laughs> it's okay. We can have dead space. It's good. Brother Josh, under 30 minutes. <laughs> We've been very clear about this. Like uh, Brother Lucas said, uh, <laughs> the, the time I'm allotted is not enough. Uh, back in 2020, I started counseling with Brother Lynn, and I honestly can tell you I wouldn't be here right now, the man I am, if it wasn't for all the emails, the texts, the phone calls in the middle of the night when the world was crashing down around me, uh, Brother Lynn canceling his plans to make time for me just to, to help me get through what I was going through. And the thing I really appreciated it was, he, he didn't always tell me what I wanted to hear, but he always will tell you what you need to hear. Amen. And uh, you know, he, he made sure that, you know, one of his big things was, if you're not right here, you're never gonna be right here. And so he pointed me to God and uh, he helped me filter everything through that. And through him, I, I mean, I can never say thank you enough for all, all that you've done for me and my family and for all of us here. Amen. Now over here, okay, Brother Brian. Okay. <laughs> it's tempting, tempting. <laughs> well, when I think about Brother Lynn and Miss Jenny, I think about faithful. Mm -hmm. They're, like Lucas said, they're the real deal. Mm -hmm. Their spirit and their love for Christ is contagious. Mm -hmm. And we've fished together, we've hunted together, and what I, what I like the most about Brother Lynn is the fact that no matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, even if he don't know I'm around, he's still the same. Christ is number one. We've been fishing together, we've been hunting together, and we talk about fishing and hunting. 
but Christ is always the center of our conversation, and I appreciate that. He's always been there when I called and needed. And uh, Miss Jenny, she's just the sweetest lady ever, you know, especially working for you. I'm yeah, just, amen. Uh, praise God for Miss Jenny. It's 100%. Yes. I'm just, it's 100%. I just had to throw that in there because <laughs> right, right. you said it first. But anyway, <laughs> they are a true blessing to me and Debbie. Amen. And I know that they're there anytime anyone in here needs them. I know that they'll be, be there for anybody that's in here, and we appreciate that very much. Amen. Well, I know, I know a lot of people have things that you could say without a doubt, and I hope you'll take some time tonight to do that. For the Andy's going to come up and say a few things, and then he'll lead us in a song. Uh, but I hope you'll stay afterwards, and uh, even if you just go by and say thank you, uh, praying for you. Uh, it's huge. I, I don't know of a lot of associates that have been at the same church for 25 years. Uh, they're there, but it's called exceptions, very rare. Very rare, and uh, that's why we're, we're solid, and God has blessed our church, and so we appreciate that so much, and I know you do too, and I know some people aren't public speakers, we, we got that, and uh, so we totally understand that, but, but maybe even in private or through an email or a text even this week, um, this doesn't have to end the 25th anniversary, uh, you can send a card or something even this week and say, hey, appreciate you, what a wonderful thing. So I'll turn it over to Andy, and he's going to lead us in so, uh, some more music as well. Just share a couple things with you. Uh, we were privileged to be here when Brother Lynn and Miss Jenny came for the first time back in, was it 98, I think, 1998, something like that. And uh, it's funny, his office, we took half the kitchen and cut it in half, and his office was like a maze. You had to get in there, and he's a big guy, and he got in that seat there behind his desk, but it was kind of neat. But he was our youth director, and we were privileged. Uh, Matt and Brett were both uh, in the teen department at that time. And uh, I remember what the first uh, meeting he had with us parents and he, it's funny, he has some sayings, like he, uh, Brother Josh mentioned, uh, he has some sayings that stick with you. And this one that stuck with me and Terry was he encouraged us parents. He said, choose fire now and you'll have peace later. And we got thinking about that and you think, I know what he's saying. He's saying, fight the battles now while your kids are teenagers, fire now and have peace later. Because if you don't, you choose peace now, you'll have fire later. So that always stuck with me. I've used that several times in visiting with people and with kids, uh, parents and kids and teens and stuff. So I appreciate that. Another one, I happened to be the bus driver uh, going to a, a youth camp. And we were loading up on the bus in the middle of the week. I think we were going into town to do something. And all the kids were there. And I guess one of the teen girls was giving Miss Jenny some fits or something. And wouldn't load on the bus and we're all there waiting on the bus you know and I'm driving I'm going, come on hurry it up here comes Miss Jenny and she leaned over to Brother Lynn and said some so and so is upset and won't leave the dorm and she sat down and Brother Lynn kind of sat there and I looked over Brother Lynn and I said Brother Lynn go take care of that and he looked at me and he said uh uh I'm not sticking my hand in no chainsaw <laughs> and I thought what in the world does that mean? I, I scratched my head and then it dawned on me. <laughs> He's a smart man, you know. There's a right time to do something, a right time to intervene. Anyway, I appreciate Brother Lynn and Miss Jenny. We love you guys. Appreciate so much all you've done for the church here. So, And uh, we'll hear some more later on this, uh, after the service tonight. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. You can remain seated as we sing this one. This world is not my home. Still passing through my treasure.
Brian, we appreciate that. Amen. We're going to go over to Proverbs chapter 16. I know it's not Wednesday. I know, I know. We're going to be in several places tonight, though, uh, dealing with stewardship and serving for the month of January as we cover a variety of areas. And uh, so kind of concluding stewardship month, just praying about uh, what would be a nice concluding message. We finished up on Galatians 6 this morning, and God led me over to Proverbs chapter 16, which is another very key element that I want to talk about, a, a critical element, and, uh, and that really deals with a servant spirit. And uh, so while we stand, we're going to take a look at Proverbs chapter 16, and you want to keep your Bibles handy. We'll be at several places tonight as we just take a little jaunt through the scriptures and uh, see some illustrations, see some commands God's given us, and then uh, kind of tie things together. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2, the Bible says, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weigheth the spirits. But that's, that's huge. The Lord weigheth the spirits. The commentator said it this way. The intentions, the uh, intentions, the motives, and the disposition of a person. That's what God weighs. And, and I hope we'd realize that the, tonight the significance, uh, not just of our work, but of our spirit. So, Lord, help us tonight. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. And, uh, Lord, that at salvation we receive your spirit. And, uh, Lord, we cannot be here tonight without it. Lord, we cannot have the wisdom you, you provide without the Spirit of God. 
And so, Lord, we're thankful. But, Lord, even beyond that, you told us that we have and possess, besides your spirit, Lord, a spirit within us, Lord, a spirit that we get to choose. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Eve's servants, Lord, not just to do what is right, Lord, but to have the right attitude as well. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. I'm convinced that getting the job done, of course, is critical. It's important. I believe when it comes to serving, that really is first step. Uh, it really is. And uh, we want to make sure we get it done. I remember the boys were growing up. Uh, first thing we taught them is what to do. You know, and so you teach them some jobs, some chores, take out the trash, make your bed, things like that. But there would often come this um, uh, age that, that you'd get to where that wasn't as fun anymore. And uh, so the job would get done, but maybe the trash is being picked up and on the way out, you know, they're a little loud. You know, the door's closing just a little louder behind them, you know, because mom said, hey, stop playing the video game and take out the trash. Fine. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm doing it, you know. Hey, it's time to clean your room. Oh, okay, fine. You know, so you'd have that. And uh, so we started moving from just, hey, get the job done to, hey, always get the job done. But with that, uh, we started demanding, hey, uh, you need to have a right attitude. How many remember growing up and hearing this? You need an attitude adjustment? Oh, yeah, amen. You know, so you had parents, you know, and what they were saying is, hey, you may be doing it, but there, there's an attitude there. And uh, really, when you look at it scripturally, both are necessary. It's great to get the job done, but there's got to be an attitude. And I think sometimes in serving, uh, that is one of the last things we think about, is uh, really our intentions, our motives, and our attitude. And uh, I think we look at Scripture, and I want to show you some illustrations in Scripture and the importance of it, and then we're going to bring in some key aspects here. As I began thinking about this and just thinking about the significance of the Spirit and how the Spirit makes a difference, uh, I just thought about my own life, and I thought about this. In my own life, the Spirit of a place, the Spirit of a person matters to me. Uh, we, we've chosen our pharmacy by the Spirit of the people who work there. Every pharmacy is crazy busy. Uh, if, if you've ever been to one, I mean, it's crazy busy. And, and I won't tell you where we go or who it is, but you can ask Brenda afterwards. But, you know, honestly, we chose where we go because of the people who work there. Uh, there's different places I take my car to get worked on. To be quite honest with you, uh, I take it there because, you know, A, I trust the mechanics and those people involved. But it's also the, can we say it this way, the service you receive. Isn't that what we say? I like the service there. And that service comes with a spirit about them. It's not just checking you in, it's checking you in with a smile and, and often even knowing your name. Hello, Mr. Waterloo, how you been doing? You know, if they know I'm a pastor, how's the church going? Uh, just a simple conversation. There are certain waitresses in town that are our favorites. And, uh, and it's not the food, okay? We go there because we like the food, okay? But, but to be quite honest, we also look for those waiters or waitresses because they, they provide a certain service. In other words, they make sure that cup is filled up. You know, the, the best waiters and waitresses, you don't have to ask them for another drink. Now, come on, you know what this is, what I'm talking about. I mean, they know, and they're filling it up, and they kind of read you real quick, and they may be engaged just a little bit, and they're busy, and we get that. But all of a sudden, you start developing just a, a rapport with them, and you say, hey, when I go there, I want to sit in their area. You say, why? Because I, I like the way they serve. They do a good job. Uh, we go to one establishment enough over these many years. Uh, she knows what we like to drink, and she's bringing it out. Usually she goes, the usual, or she'll go, hey, you want the Coke Zero? And every once in a while, to throw her off, I'm like, I'd like sweet tea. You say, she just kind of looks at me like, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just messing with you. 
just want to mess with you. But she just knows on social shopping. She's getting those things, and they're coming out, and, and uh, she's taking our order, which doesn't change a whole lot. You know, it's one of a few things, and she's like, gotcha. No, I mean, you just, I like those things. And I can go down the list, and, and if I'm honest, sure, I choose a place by price, quality, you bet. But what do you do when, like, all that's close? And you can go to multiple places that are similar, and similar in price, and similar in quality, and all those things. What really separates it? Well, if you think about it, honestly, it's service. To be honest, I'll pay more for better service. Now, I'm not going to pay crazy, you know, so if you're listening online and, and you wait on me, don't be ridiculous. Okay, but no, I mean, if something's $100 and maybe I'm going to go over here and it's 110 112 and, you know, 10 12% up, but I get better service, I'll pay that in a heartbeat for the service. Why? It makes whatever's taking place so much better. I'd rather pay that. And I thought about that and I said, really, when it, when it comes to Christianity, we ought to get this even more than other people. We ought to understand the significance of a person's spirit. I'll give you some illustrations. I, I like, we won't read all these, but in Genesis 41, and I'll read some of them to you, verse 38, the Bible says, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this man, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And remember, that's when Joseph interprets a dream. He's brought out of prison. And uh, so you got this wisdom, and you have this taking place. But come on, Pharaoh just met the young man. You understand that, right? He just met him. He interprets the interpretation, and out of his mouth comes this. Who has a spirit like this? So it wasn't just what he said, but the way he said it. As a matter of fact, even when you go back, he's like, hey, it's not me that interprets dreams, it's God. And there was just a demeanor about him. There wasn't a, uh, a meanness, I guess I would say. Uh, there was just something about him that Pharaoh caught and said, hey, I like this spirit. I notice God's in this person. Then I went to Daniel, and Daniel chapter 6, I like that, verse 3, and the Bible says, and Daniel had an excellent spirit. That was repeated in Daniel chapter 5 two times. In Daniel chapter 5 with one king, and Daniel 6 with another king. Everybody noticed the same thing. There's just something about the spirit of this guy. I mean, they're just, I mean, he's smart. We got a lot of smart people here. He's good. We got a lot of good people there. He gets the job done. We got a lot of those. But there's something about the spirit. And I began looking, and I'm like, well, so what separates the servants of God. And as you go through scripture and we pick out our favorite people, come on, how many, who doesn't like Daniel? Are you okay? I mean, if you don't like Daniel, something's wrong with you. Who doesn't like Joseph? I mean, these are people in the Bible, and if you really looked at it, you'd say, well, Joseph, I like what he did and the stands he took. But the reality is what you, you probably don't realize is from reading the scriptures, you even picked up on his spirit, how he forgave his brothers so readily, how he recognized that this was God working in his life. There was just something about him. And all these things we have as examples. What I don't want us to miss is this. In all the examples of how we serve God, do not take away one of the most critical things. Our spirit matters. The author said it this way. Motives, intentions, dispositions. I like to first of all look at motives. I, I think they're right. I think without a doubt, one of the things that separates true servants of the living God is our intentions matter. Why you do something really matters. No, 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 wait a minute. Why you do something matters. Your motive matters. And God even gives us in Scripture some basic Scriptures on servanthood that tell us this. In 2 Corinthians 8, 12, if you want to write that down. It's one of my favorite verses. I saw this years and years ago. It's always stuck with me. I've always loved the power of this verse. In 2 Corinthians 8, 12, the Bible says this. For if there be first a willing mind... It is, accepted, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. Now, here's why I love that. 
you know, uh, growing up, knowing I'm going to become a preacher and serve God, uh, we recognize more than you do, do our deficiencies. I could give you a list of my deficiencies in case you miss them. But some of you have been here long enough, you're like, no problem, preacher, we got them all. Dad, them all, we can give them to you. How's that? You know, so going to ministry is a difficult thing because you know you have these deficiencies and these inabilities that are before you and that you have to go. And I remember finding that verse, I mean, early on in college. And what the Bible says is if a man has a willingness, if you're just willing and your heart, your motive truly is this, I just want to serve my God. Now, I, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. Do you understand something? God says, I'll take it. No, no, excuse, I'll take it. Matter of fact, you know God's big enough to equip you for, the, for whatever he wants you to do. The first thing he wants is willingness. And I've always taken that and said, hey, if I'll just get it and serve God with this motive, God, I'm doing it for you, I'm doing it with you, and let's go. God says, I'll take care of you. I'll equip you. And, and guess what? I'll accept what you're bringing. Woo, that's good. Uh, other people may not accept it, but God's like, I'll accept whatever you're bringing to the table if your mindset is this. I'm giving you my best, and this is all I've got. This is the best I've got. God's like, good enough, good enough. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I love to do more for the God. And man, I've got these problems and these issues and I don't talk well and I'm not popular. Can I tell you? God will take you. If you just have a willing mind that says, God, I want to serve you. I just want to serve you. I just want to do whatever you want me to do. If that's your attitude, guess what? God will step in and say, that's a wonderful motive. I think it starts there. I like what he says in Matthew chapter 6. Turn over here. Matthew chapter 6. You can turn over to this one. Except we can't, don't have time to turn over all of them, but... We walk through just some illustrations here to begin tonight. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, you'll remember this. It says, take heed, in Matthew 6, 1, that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as a hypocrite do in the synagogue and of the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, or whenever you're giving, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, that thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Look at verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But verse 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Here, here's, here's what's neat about these verses. So first of all, 2 Corinthians says, hey, if, if I just have a willing mind, and I'm sincere, my motive is this, I just want to serve God. God says, I'll take it. And then you come over to Matthew, and, and he elaborates again, just showing us a picture of why motives matter. He says, when you give, if your heart to give is, I want to give and make sure people know about it and they see it, God says, that's great, go ahead and give. But what you get back is the praise of men that saw it. You get the, good job. Hey, man, you, gave, that, you did so good there. I mean, way to go. And guess what? Nothing else from God. Think about that, nothing else. You say, well, I give a lot, and, and, and I let people know. Congratulations. That is your reward. If you pray, and you pray in a way that people see you, and Maybe you're not praying much, but all of a sudden somebody's walking by and, and all of a sudden you get loud and make sure they know you're praying. Make sure they know you're spiritual, talking to God. God says, good job, you just got your reward, what they noticed. And so if that's all you want, that's good. But can I tell you, our God gives such greater rewards. 
And I think we sell ourselves short so often by trying to get the honor and pleasure of men rather than the motive being this, hey, I'm just here to serve God. And so we see throughout Scripture in the example of Joseph and Daniel and other men as well, and, and then we see these Scriptures here. So the question becomes, and what should be our motive? Well, there's going to be some common verses you're aware of, and I'm going to show you some of them. And I want to remind you the motive of a servant. And what is the spirit that we ought to have? So turn with me, if you would, once again, to the book of Mark, chapter 8. So right after Matthew. These aren't new verses to you, but I want to remind you tonight, as we're talking about a servant's spirit, exactly what is required and what we need. In Mark, chapter 8, very classic for disciples, passage of Scripture, the Bible begins in verse 34, and it says this. When he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words and this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he cometh in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. You know, we take a passage like this, you go all the way back up to verse 34, and the classic phrase, whosoever will come after me, and he says this, let him deny himself. And I tell you, really the number one motive that we need as servants today, if we're talking about intentions and motives, is this, it is not about me. No, no, let me help you. It is not about me. And I tell you, it's not. It's really not. Folks, it's always about Jesus Christ. And we started on that this morning, and, and I want to belabor that point for just a minute, because I told you today, we, we live in such a selfish world today, and uh, we use that narcissistic word because it's all over the place, but we are so inundated about me, 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 and although we know this verse, can I tell you, it still ought to become our motive. As a servant, it's not about me, it's not what about what I get and what happens to me, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with, hey, I'm here to serve God. I'm just going to do the best I can. And, and part of my motive is this. I'm going to deny myself and just serve him. Now, can I tell you, that takes sacrifice. There is not a servant here who hasn't sacrificed for Jesus Christ. You say, what, what do you mean? What, what am I sacrificing? Well, I mean, a sacrifice of a lot of time. If you're going to serve Jesus Christ, no, you're, you're going to sacrifice some time. You know, uh, you have to give up some things. Uh, you're going to work all day and you have church on Sunday and Wednesday. And, and then if you're cleaning, you're taking extra time to clean. If you're coming to church, you're preparing Sunday school lessons. You're helping in Awanas. You're cleaning up. I mean, it takes time. If we go on outreach, like we're going to go on Saturday, it takes time. I'm going to work on the ministry homes. Hey, ready? It takes time. And can I tell you, that's a sacrifice. And let's just be honest. Some people don't want to make that sacrifice. Oh, now it's getting quiet. No, no, I'm telling you, some people don't want to make that sacrifice. And can I tell you, it is a sacrifice. Anybody that said, hey, it's not about me. It's about God and his work has sacrificed, and uh, they've sacrificed more than probably you would even realize. Why? To get the job done. Why? Folks, that's what we do for Jesus. That's what servants do. It's about, hey, what do you need, and what can I do? And so there's always a sacrificial point. The motive is this, not how tired will I be and not what will it cost me. The motive is this, hey, it's for Jesus. So guess what? There's nothing I can give. There's nothing I can do that is too much for him. But in a selfish world today, it's always about, well, you know, it's about me, and if I have some time left, if I have some energy left, if I have some finances left, if I have whatever is left, we'll kind of give that over. Can I tell you, that is not the motive or ought to be the motive of a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
No, no, I'm serious. That is not our motive. But I know we struggle with that. Why? We live in America. No, we live in America. We, we live in a world that focuses everything around our lives. And I think we've forgotten, folks, there is an afterlife. There is more than just this life. And it's not just about us. It is about him and others. And to, to do that, the real motive is this. I'm going to deny myself and there'll be sacrifices and there'll be things I'm doing behind the scene that can I tell you this way? I won't get a pat on the back for. And I won't always get a thank you for. And I won't always get an attaboy for. And you know what? Those things are nice to get. Can we all be honest? Isn't it nice for somebody to recognize? I'll say it for you. Yes, it is, preacher. It, it is. No, no, it is. It's, that's not simple. It is. Everybody likes that. But can I tell you, if you've done that long enough, you're not always going to get that. People are always going to see what you're doing. But can I tell you, he sees it. And part of the motive of a servant is, can we ever pay back Jesus what he's done for us? No. I mean, it's impossible to think of all he's done. So I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow him. So the first motive is deny self. And secondly, I think is this, desire to be last. If you went over to Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 9, and we continued our reading over there in verse 33. Mark chapter 9. The Bible says, and he came to Capernaum and being in the house, he asked them, what was it that ye disputed among yourselves, by the way? That's always to me one of the most embarrassing portions of Scripture. But they held their peace. You bet they did. For by the way, they had disputed amongst themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the 12. Did you, did you read that? Sometimes I think we just get used to going to church. Do you know who he's talking to? That's the 12 disciples. We would call them the apostles. These are the spiritual leaders of the church. Are, are y'all with me? You know what they're arguing about? Who do you think's greater? Brother Lynn or me? <laughs> We're going to have a vote tonight, which is a bad night to vote on that because it's their anniversary. <laughs> We're going to vote anyways. Could you mind if I sent out a who's your favorite staff person and had you vote on it? Yeah, you're already laughing, going, it's not you. <laughs> I've come to grips with that, and I'm okay. So I'm still here. No, okay. But I just want to put it in context. Do you know how silly that would be? And inside you're going, I'm not filling this out. This is, this is dumb. I mean, what, what is going on? Is the pastor gone senile? We're doing a survey on who's, who's the greatest? Or, 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 let's expand it. Who's the best servants in Central Baptist Church? Ooh, that's the list. Top 12. Ready? Who wants to start? <laughs> yeah, you guys, that's, that's ridiculous. Why? It doesn't matter. Here's the 12 leaders. We read past this stuff and go, bad boys. Not bad boys. These are supposed to be mature leaders of the church. They're arguing about who's the greatest. No offense. You may be offended, but no offense meant. You are not an apostle. You are not one of the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ. You did not walk with Jesus for three and a half years. And if they're doing this, I suppose some disciples in Ponca City, Oklahoma could struggle with denying themselves and I wonder who's the greatest. I wonder if people notice. I remember years ago, I've told this story and... Um, it's always a shocker, but I remember years and years ago, and I'll just tell you the short version of it, and uh, the heart that's often there. And matter of fact, what we would have listed at one of our most active servants at Central Baptist Church. If you've heard the story, you know where I'm going. I mean, one of the most active servants at Central Baptist Church, bar none. 
And I'll never forget the day getting a letter in the mail acclaiming this person as a great servant at Central Baptist Church. And I remember, if you've heard the story before, you, you know where I'm going, but I remember getting this letter, and it was from this lady's boss. Now, first of all, I was amazed that somebody would take the time to write such a letter. So their boss wrote about how wonderful this person was as a servant at work. And I'll be honest, I was extremely impressed. And so I did something I don't normally do. I called to thank that boss. And I did. And matter of fact, the person's name was on there. And I asked, I think it was Debbie. I said, is Debbie there? And so Debbie came to the phone. I said, man, I just want to say thank you. It's Pastor Waterloo. You wrote me a letter about this employee. And people don't normally take time to say thanks. And this is unusual. Thank you so much. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. And I went, is there any other Debbie there? Well, yeah, there's another Debbie. I go, okay, good. So it was the other Debbie. So she went and got the other Debbie, the boss, put her on the phone. That was always embarrassing. And I gave her the same story. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I remember hanging up, sitting there, just a little perplexed. I'm like, do I have the right thing? And it was the weirdest thing in the world to me. But then all of a sudden, a thought came to me. And I said, surely not. Surely not. So I called the lady into my office, and she's sitting there, and I started explaining to her the story, and she started crying. And she looked at me, and she said, Pastor, I wrote that letter. She wrote a letter about herself to me. Now, I want you to stop and think about that. She wrote a letter, supposedly from her boss, and her boss didn't write it, about how wonderful of a servant she was. And as she's sitting in my office, I'm like, why would you do that? And this was her response, because I didn't think you noticed everything that I did. And I thought about that, and I'm serious. This lady served everywhere, did everything. If my wife remembers who it is, could attest. I mean everything. But she was so hungry for more attention. And I remember looking at her going, I, first of all, I'm so sorry. Uh, we need to say thanks more for what you do. But then I reminded her, it's not about me, and it's not about anybody here. It's always about him. And, folks, that's a dangerous place to get to. So if a lady that served that long in our church was that faithful, if 12 disciples could be arguing, who's the best? Yeah. Can I tell you what a servant is? We don't desire that. Uh, We desire it last. It's not a competition. It's not who's the greatest Christian at Central Baptist Church. Who's getting the most reward? No, it's about this. Have I done enough to serve Jesus Christ? Have I done enough to honor my God? Am I pleasing in his sight? And, and nobody may notice and nobody may say anything. And, and that can get frustrating at times. And I get it. We're all human. And that can be discouraging at times because we're all human. But can I tell you this? Keep serving Jesus. Why? Because as a servant, the motive is this. I will deny myself and sacrifice. I will take less. I will be last. I will be the humble person. I'll be at the end of the table. Remember that story? Don't sit at the premium seat. Sit at the back and have them bring you up. Man, how embarrassing. <laughs> you go somewhere and sit in the premium seat and they go, could you move? You know, that's what, that's what he says. He said, no, be, be the last. And I'm talking to servants of people who love Jesus. And we have a great amount of our church. We had a servant's bank this week. And a great amount of you showed up. And many more who couldn't make it that serve. Some of you couldn't make it that night. And you're great servants here at Central Baptist Church. And uh, working, sick, totally forgot about it. Don't like Italian. It was something. You couldn't make it. And it's fine, but I'm telling you, we had a a phenomenal amount of people there. But I'm telling you, even in that, I know this, our motive has to be singular, and that's this. I'm doing this for him. Because I'm going to tell you, if the motive shifts, you'll stop doing it one day. You'll stop doing it one day. If you clean the church and your motive 
is not to do it for the Lord, you will get mad at people at Central Baptist Church. I, we have cameras. Uh, they're not that detailed, but I would love to find the people who stuffs the stuff in the pew in the front little holes that are there. The gum wrappers and stuff that go way down deep and literally workers have to take little tools and go in there and pull them up. And you should understand what I think about that. If I find you, you're dead. <laughs> That's how we think. You know, you clean long enough and clean, clean the restrooms and clean through the church and you see gum and you see dirty footprints of people who walked through the mud and ran through and you see messes all over and your thought is, are you kidding me? No, seriously, about every janitor I've talked to, I've said, remember why you're doing this. No, I'm serious. It's like, remember, because I'm telling you, you'll come in and go, this is the house of God. Why don't people treat it better? Right. That's why we have people clean. <laughs> Amen. No, no, wait a minute. Seriously. You teach a Sunday school class, and uh, man, you've, you've worked all week, and you're ready to teach, and four people show up. I've got this wonderful lesson, and I get to teach four people. You know, that's it. And you're thinking, why am I doing it? Well, I'll tell you why we're doing it. We're doing it for him. Now, that's frustrating. We go right down the list of whatever it is. The fact of the matter, it's, it's difficult. You work in the nursery, and mom brought the baby with a dirty diaper and said she didn't. <laughs> Lied right there in church. We know who you are. Actually, I don't. I'm not back there, but I'm just saying. And you got to change that, that poopy diet. Well, that's tough. But you remember that mom's probably had a rough week. And she's probably changed about 500 of those. And you know, that's tough. No, no, wait a minute. So what's our motive? Is our motive to make things as easy as possible? No, our motive is it's about him. And I would deny myself. And it's not about me being first and even recognize it's about him. Secondly, he said this, our disposition. Would you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3 real quick? I, I would, without a doubt... Um, besides our motive, uh, our attitude matters. Um, you know, you can come to church, and uh, here's what I've seen. You can come to church and uh, be here in body, but not in spirit. Okay? So you can be here in body. You really can. There's enough people I've seen that come in body, but their spirit's not here. And part of it is their, their motive for coming, but the other aspect of it is just an attitude. And uh, I love First Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 is just a great illustration. Now, in this passage, I'll tell you, it is a passage of marriage, and it's talking about husbands and wives and so forth. And in 1 Peter 3, 1, it says this, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or behavior of the wives. And then he begins to explain that behavior. Well, they behold your chaste or pure behavior coupled with fear. So it's a chaste conversation coupled with fear. And then it says, who's adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of hair and the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. And then verse 4 really becomes the key. So Paul lays all this out, and then look what he says here, uh, Peter here. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament, now look at this, of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, that can be misinterpreted in multiple ways. I don't, I don't have time for a marriage lesson per se today, but I want you to see this. It's, it's majoring here, and if you look at the verses, it's a clear major. He's giving advice to women in a marriage situation, and literally the next, the, the whole 11, 12 verses are about relationships and marriage. So there's verses for the men, there's verses for the women, but particularly here, he's talking to the women, he's saying, hey, listen, 
One of the things that's going to make the biggest change or difference in your relationship is this. Are you ready? Your attitude. Now, but what he's comparing this is the apparel, the adorning. And here's why. We are so caught up with externals. I, I mentioned coming. Okay, so people say, hey, I come to church. And, and I know enough people who come to church, but like I said, they're not in it. Their, their attitude's not in it. Their heart's not in it. Their, their intentions aren't in it. So, so they're here bodily. And we have the same thing here where it says, hey, outwardly you're doing everything. And, and again, don't misunderstand that. It's not reversing and saying don't do anything. So this isn't a, a command saying, hey, don't wear, you know, jewelry. Don't wear makeup. Don't do all that. Uh, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, but in the world, that's what, that's what the major is. The major is to look a certain way. Have you ever seen somebody, and men, be careful. I'll do the answering because you have to go home tonight. So let, let me do the answering on this one. This will be a bad time to go, oh, yeah, yeah I've seen that. Okay, so I'll be the one to set myself up. 37, 38 years, we're fine. But have you ever seen just a very pretty lady? But we can recognize pretty. It's okay to say somebody's pretty. Good job, Josh. Josh is like, no, never. No, I, good job, yeah. Follow his lead. He's going, no, I don't even know what you're saying, but I'm saying no right now. You know? But I mean, you see someone and they're just pretty. I mean, God's made pretty people. Okay? Everybody's fine. I get it. We're supposed to say the appropriate thing. Everybody's good looking. Okay? And how about this? But some are better. Okay? I mean, it's just a reality. So it's okay to recognize that somebody walks in and they're really pretty. Like, oh, that's a pretty lady. That's a handsome man. Please don't say pretty man. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it is handsome, okay? Uh, and, and why we're, uh, no, I'm not going to go there. There's too many kids. Okay. Uh, you can ask me afterward. Uh, but in that, um, so you got pretty and it's like, hey, pretty. That's not a bad thing. You're not, uh, there's nothing wrong with saying that. It's not in the wrong intention. But that person is pretty, sure. So you have that. But then have you ever ran into someone that's pretty out and about and then they open up their mouth? See, I don't know where you're at. You're at maybe you're out eating and you notice a couple. Oh, what a handsome couple. You know, there's a nice couple over there. And then they start talking. You're like, oh, whoa. Whoa. There are words coming out of her mouth that we have a TV guardian for. <laughs> Is there a mobile one? Beep, 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 beep. Or, I mean, just the way that, you know, uh, it could be either way. But in this illustration for the wife, she's talking to him. And I mean, it's real critical and negative. And some men, I don't use this word, but they might use this word, nagging. I don't use that word. I've never used that word. Never, okay. I have to go home too, okay? I'm just telling you. <laughs> but there's this kind of like, nee, 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 The Bible calls it contentious. There's this contention, contention, contention. You can see they're fighting, fighting. And uh, no, what, no matter what he does, it's like, you know, I want this, or I want that, or don't do that, or why are you doing that, or sit up straight, lay, lay back straight. Ah! I mean, it's just, just a constant, and you'll hear these things. I'm like, oh, sometimes I walk away going, poor guy. Now, she can be very pretty, but, but I'm just telling you, are you ready? It changes everything if there's a bad attitude. We go, yeah, that makes sense. I'm so glad you said that. Can I help you? I, I tell young ladies this all the time. First of all, nobody marries ugly. Now, if you get married, he likes you. Okay, no, seriously, he, he likes you. You never have to walk around going, I wonder if he thinks I'm pretty. You don't say yes to someone you think is ugly. How's that? Now you're getting really quiet, so I'll set myself up. No, no, I think Miss Brenda is very pretty. You're like, well, you're supposed to, amen, preacher. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. 
But I didn't see her some 38 years ago and go, you know what? She's not that pretty. How about we stay the rest of our lives together? <laughs> now, I'm sure there may be some man that has done that, and I don't know him, and I don't want to know him because that's brain dead. Okay? But I'm telling you, if you're with somebody, they think you're gorgeous, it's settled. Now, in that, the scripture isn't saying, now just spend the rest of your life not taking care of yourself. That can cause marriage problems too. You know, the only time you ever get dressed up is going out. But around the house, you're like, Pfft. Now, it's good to have those days. There's no debate about that. But if it's all the time, it's like, whoa, okay, what happened here? But isn't it weird that the scripture stops, and here's what it says. A meek and quiet spirit. And again, it wasn't that you walk around going, hi, hi, I'm just really quiet. It was talking about attitude. The men in here, I'm being very cautious here. If they were allowed to speak right now and wouldn't get in trouble, I'll be the target. Are you ready? Would say this. The most important thing to us right now, bar none, is the attitude or spirit of our wives. I'm in it for life. Already got married, been married a long time, love her, attracted to her, connected, all done. And now we get to live together forever. And you know what, man, you know what we, what we want? We want it to be fun and pleasant and happy. Now, it's not going to be that way every day because we're with you and we get that, okay? I understand all the elements involved here. But the bottom line is you can clean the house and you can look nice all the time and buy pretty dresses or clothes, whatever you wear. And I'm going to tell you, we see that all the time with movie stars and professional people and they don't make it. And I'm not blaming the wife for all this. I mean, men have issues. I'm just saying the illustration here is the attitude matters just for the man as well. I mean, see, I've seen this reversed all the time. I mean, it matters for the man as well. It's not like we get a pass going, yeah, it's just a woman. Have a good attitude. Mine's going to stink. I don't think you're going to find that in the Word of God. But I think you will see here is the illustration is this. Now, no, wait a minute. God weighed the Spirit, so he's looking at our motives, and he's looking at our attitude, and that's displayed throughout Scripture. And that's just an illustration I'm using, but, but I'm here to tell you, why do we skip those things? Why do we put those things on the side like, well, at least I'm doing it. I'm here. That's enough. When God weighs us, is it? I mean, it's a good first step to be here. But, but is, is that it? Are we just going to stop there? I made it. I, I gave an illustration this morning, and I'm serious about this. There's some people who come here 20, 30 years or more, and they're here, but man, I wonder, what's their motive? Not, not, no offense, but I'm wondering. And spirit and attitude, man, there's a lot lacking there. They can check off the box that I came, but there's way more to that in Scripture than that. Way more. And so can I challenge you tonight? We're called to be servants of Jesus Christ. And can I challenge us this year? Let's check our spirits. Because he is. He is. Proverbs 16, 2. God weigheth the spirits. The motives of what we do and why. And the attitude of how we reveal ourselves. And I think for some people, that's where you got to work on. Oh, you may have the prayer thing down, the Bible study, the tent. That's good. That's 101. How about we move to the next level and develop a spirit. A spirit that is an appropriate spirit, and not just the ladies. I know that was the illustration, but guys, we could use that too. It would be really nice for us all to have better spirits as we serve Jesus Christ. Let's stand. Lord, we come to you now. Lord, we thank you and praise you as we close this evening. Lord, help us develop the right type of spirit. Lord, what a good thing to work on. And Lord, that we'd have an attitude that would honor you. And Lord, 
Lord, we'd be honored. Take glory in denying ourselves, Lord. And we have the motives to serve you. And Lord, that's difficult. We've got to check that all the time. And we've got to keep our eyes focused on you. And we understand that, Lord. But Lord, I also understand this, Lord. We can be doing what is right. We can be there, but our heart not in it. And we're there for the wrong reasons. And Lord, our attitude isn't what it ought to be. And Lord, it's really probably more evident than we realize. So Lord, help us to evaluate our own selves, examine our own selves, as the Bible says, and to make sure that our spirits are what they ought to be. Because we know that not only are you weighing our actions, but Lord, you're weighing our spirits according to Proverbs. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close the evening and the day out, we've been talking about serving all day and different aspects really all, all month. And so if the Lord's spoken to you, we're going to close with just a time of prayer. We're going to sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. So sing with us, page 155. Or you want to come and pray to close out the day, you do that as we end. Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. say thank you to whoever's in the toddler area tonight if you're listening or able to hear me with kids screaming but Berlin Miss Jenny were supposed to be in there and I asked them to be removed since uh, we're going to be celebrating with them tonight and some of you take a long time to pick up your kids and uh, so it's really awkward to be celebrating without the guests of honor you know in there where they at they're in the toddler room and uh, so appreciate those who did that and we're going to let them go first not because they've asked it's an awkward message for this but uh, they're going to get to go first and uh, so we'll dismiss Berlin and Miss Jenny and Jared if he wants to head back to, uh, to head into our fellowship hall. I hope you'll be able to stay, come by and just say congratulations. And if you have to go, I totally understand that. If you want to send a text or something, feel free to do that. But uh, uh, we're just going to spend some time celebrating as a family and would love for you to stay if you're able to. Any other concluding? Anything, Matt? I lost Matt. He might be back there already. So amen. Well, let's have a word of prayer and uh, we'll go. Lord, we thank you for the day, Lord. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate. It's great to be able to celebrate and rejoice over good things. And so, Lord, pray that you bless the time together, the uh, desserts, Lord, just the fellowship time. And just continue to bless the Skyler family as they blessed us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.